0: Well, you sang it. Do you mean it? <laughs> Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. That's a lot easier to say than it is to live out loud and uh, pray that you mean it. Does it scare you to say that? Well, Let me flip it over. Does it scare you to not say that? That'd be the one. It was in my prayer time years ago that God gave me Nine words. All of them began with a P, I guess it'd be 10 words because prayer was what I was doing when I got the nine. And since then, I've kind of just visualized that these 10 P's are God's way to release the wind. The wind, Jesus says, is like the spirit and the spirit's like the wind. You can't tell how the spirit does what the spirit does, it just does it. God gave me something like this. Lord, would you fill me with your power and your presence and your purpose and your passion and your providence and your peace and your purity and your provision and your protection. But what he was really doing was creating a a heart that would always be wanting to be filled with him. With him, now, why they're all peas, I have no idea. Or maybe that's some way I could remember them. I don't know. All I know is these all came to me while I was praying. So now, um, I pray these every day. I prayed them a few minutes ago before I stepped up on stage. Last Sunday, I covered the first two, the prayer which is pretty much the foundation of the other nine, and power. Lord, fill me with your power. Today, we're going to cover the next two, the presence and the purpose. And I want you to i pick this scene here on purpose to, to try to give you a visual that, that we could come into the presence of God and receive the purpose of God. And this is what he wants. He's not called us into his presence for no reason, for no purpose, that when we come into his presence, and prayer accesses a two-way communication where I where I can communicate with him and then he puts his purpose down inside of me. I want you to remember something as I go through this series, these these things are very personal to me because God specifically gave them to me while I was praying and I pray them every day. And uh, I want you to, in my life, it's kind of like this, that uh, last week I said that each one of us is a vessel. We're, we're like a cup, a vessel, and, and you should pray for yourself. Don't, don't feel funny about praying for yourself. He tells us to pray for ourselves. Pray that he would fill our cup to the top. Power, presence, purpose, passion, you know, fill us with the top. And then what he does, this supernatural thing, is he overflows it. And then for the first time in your life, you have something you need, you can give to somebody besides yourself. Because you need that cup full for you. For you to have this relationship, you've got to have it yourself. But you've got to have an overflow to help somebody else. So let's start with this next P, presence. Lord, fill me with your presence. This is where it all begins. In fact, the more I think about it, the more simple it becomes. It all begins with the presence of God. God was present in the beginning. Everything begins with his presence. God was present in creation, and God was present with man in creation which means what? He's there. Now, now li- listen. He's there. When I was a kid growing up in school, one of our elementary teachers—they wouldn't let us say when they would take role They wouldn't let us say here, here. They would make us say present. Now, God is in the beginning, and He is present. Which means He is not absent. There's a difference he's present he's there versus being absent which means he's not there in creation in the beginning what makes the beginning the beginning is god's presence genesis 1:1 this is the beginning right in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering. The Spirit of God released the wind. The wind is blowing. Who knows where the wind comes from or where it's going? Who knows where the Spirit comes from, where it's going? And the Spirit of God is hovering over the surface of the waters. In the beginning, the presence of God was there, hovering over the surface of the deep, dark waters of emptiness. Everything begins, listen church, everything begins with the presence of God. Why? Here's a fundamental truth, because without the presence, there is no existence, there is no beginning. It's not an accident that God shows up and things show up. Because without him, without the presence, there is no existence of anything. There is no beginning to anything without his presence. The first verse of Genesis reveals the presence of God and the first and so that's the old testament when God creates the heavens and the earth but then if you go to the new testament the old covenant the new covenant the gospel of John reveals another picture it reveals the presence of God again and how the presence of God this time will be revealed specifically through the son of God John 1 1 In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through him and nothing, here comes my point, nothing is ever going to be without his presence. So so get this, nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. In the beginning, here's where I'm going, in the beginning, the presence of God created Something from nothing. There was nothing. And then the presence of God, now there's something. Feel me. In the beginning, the presence of God is revealed as the word of God. The very son of God in the beginning. Feel me. The presence of God was creating everything in the beginning. And without the presence, listen, without the presence, there is nothing. And I mean nothing. Because he alone is the creator. There is no one else that can make anything without his presence. He is the creator. Feel me. The presence of God is creation. It isn't that He does creation, He is creation. Why? He is the place of beginning. Feel me. The presence of God is light, the presence of God is life and everything. He is light. And life in everything and without the presence of God there is nothing and I want you to visualize only an empty darkness nothingness Genesis and John the beginning of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament both describe what happens when the presence of God appears creation life light in Genesis man is born in John man is born again life some of you might say that God is everywhere and to some degree you would be right yes he is omnipresent he is everywhere all the time in all places because he is the creator of all times So he must be in all times. He's the creator of all places. So he must be in all places. And without him, there is nothing for his presence to be in. Ponder that for a while and you'll get dizzy. But did you know that God has designed one place in all the created places where his presence will never be? Ponder that one and you'll get more than dizzy. God is everywhere all the time. He is the author of time and place and existence. But he has also created one place that he will never be. His presence, there's that P, will never be in one place. Did you ever wonder why Jesus describes hell as outer darkness? Outer darkness outer, outside the presence of God. There's only one place in all God's created order that his presence does not and will not dwell. Hell. That's why hell is a place of darkness. That's why hell is a place of eternal suffering. Because hell is a place of God's absence instead of God's presence God is light God is life and he's the only source of light and he is the only source of life so what is hell The absence of light outer darkness the absence of life it's an existence it's not like you're unconscious but it's not called life. Do you know why? Because life flows from God and hell is the absence of God. So you could never call it life. It's existence without life. A consciousness but not called life. If it was life, then God would be there. It's the absence of light. The absence of life. Why? Here's where I want you to go. Because light and life are his presence. It's not something he does. It's who he is. He is light. He is life. Maybe you're in the room today, or maybe you're watching online today. And if you'd be honest, it'd be a good time to be honest. You don't even believe in hell. Maybe you can't come to grips with the idea that God, a loving God, would ever make a place where he would never be. Well, the Bible says that that place was created because of a spiritual war, a battle, a spiritual rebellion, Satan. It was created specifically for Satan and his demons, Satan and his followers, a prison for those who broke God's laws and a rebellion. So maybe you think, well, okay, maybe I could grasp that he's going to throw Satan and demons, fallen angels there, but not people. Maybe that leads you to a dangerous place where you say, I don't really believe in hell. I don't believe there's a place of God's absence. Jesus does. So if you're in the room today and you say you believe in Jesus and you don't believe in hell, you have a conflict. It's called truth. In Luke chapter 12, verse 4, Jesus says, dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after they kill your body. But I'll tell you whom you should be afraid of. I'll tell you who to fear. Fear God. Who has the power to kill your body, to kill you, and then throw you into hell? Yes, he's the one to fear. The place of God's absence. He's not going to be there. And because he's not going to be there, there's not going to be life there. There's not going to be light there because his presence is not there. God is light, God is life. The light and the life are God. They are His presence. And He's the only source of that light and that life. So, what is hell? I want to make it really simple. He's not present. That's it. He's not present. He's not there. His presence is not there. In 1 John 5, It says, this is the message we've heard from Jesus. And now we're going to declare Jesus' message to you. God is light. It's not that he does light. He is light. And there is no darkness in God. Only light. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, oneness with God, right? We're lying if we say we have fellowship with God. But go on living in spiritual darkness because we couldn't be living in spiritual darkness because God's not in the darkness, right? How can you dwell with Him in the light when you're in the dark? You got a conflict. We're not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, that's this fellowship with God. As God is in the light, right? We have fellowship with each other. Here's the church. And the blood of Jesus, his son, has cleansed us from all sin. We have his presence, not his absence. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And it was the presence of God on day one that brought light to the dark emptiness. The sun, the moon, the stars were not created until day four. But the light of God's presence brought light upon the emptiness. There is a light... And that light comes from the very presence of God. Feel me. There is a darkness. And that darkness comes very simply by the absence of God's presence. Can it be that simple? You seem to make things sound so simple. Can it be that simple? There's light and darkness, the presence and the absence of the presence. Is darkness the absence of the presence? Is light the absence of the presence? Excuse me, darkness. Is darkness the absence of the presence and light and life are simply the presence? Is that simple enough? I've always been amazed at the simplicity of the revelation of the gospel of John. John is my favorite of the four gospels. Uh, His perspective is quite unique. Not to put him higher than or that one higher than the other. They're all God's word but i'm concerned that most people who know john 3:16 really don't comprehend the whole scene they read 16 they memorize 16 yes verse 16 is god's revelation of his great love bringing his very presence to the earth john 3:16 is this i want you to see this that god's great love has brought his presence to the earth inside of human flesh so, we're, we're a place of darkness. Darkness has come upon the earth. Sin brought darkness to the earth. So, God is going to send His presence. And you don't want to be in His absence, right? But we're all living in His absence. We're all living in sin and death. So, God's going to send His presence to the earth. How? Inside of a human flesh. God's presence was His only begotten Son. Light was coming. Into our darkness. Not just presence. Listen, that would be powerful enough. But power was coming with presence. It was coming to our dark world. So what do you think is going to happen when the presence comes into the darkness? Something happens, right? The presence of God was coming in power to save us from the coming darkness which is the absence of God that lasts forever. Well, there was already a darkness on the earth when Jesus came. But there's a coming darkness that's forever darkness. So he came to save us from the coming forever darkness. Do you see the entirety of the gospel, the entirety of the good news inside these verses? Let's look at for the presence and the power... In this Gospel of John Revelation, I want to read two verses to start. Verse 16 and 17. For God loved the world so much, so much, that he gave. I'm going to get ahead of myself. He gave his presence. Because we're all messed up in the darkness, right? So he gave his presence. He gave his one and only Son. So that everyone who believes in him would not perish. There's the darkness, okay? There's the forever darkness. So that we would not perish but have forever life. See the two? Perish is the absence of the presence. His son is the forever presence. Verse 17. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. But to save the world through him. God's love gave his presence to the world. The word became flesh. The light that would overcome and overthrow the darkness was sent in the form of a child. God's presence became flesh. There's one verse in Colossians that kind of sums it up, but I admit in advance, it's way bigger than my brain can handle. Colossians 1.19, for God in all of his vast, unlimited, eternal fullness was pleased to live inside Christ. Are you with me? The presence, which is everywhere, all the time, powerful, without end, eternal, was pleased to live inside Christ a baby, a man. God's power was going to make a way for us to defeat Satan's power and darkness. Satan had rejected. Do you know, I told you earlier, there's a spiritual battle that's raging. Satan had rejected God's presence and God's light. And that's why there's a prison, a place of God's absence, and it's eternal. And God made hell for Satan. Satan had rejected, if you, we don't have a lot of detail. Isaiah gives us one of the clearest pictures. Satan had rejected God's presence. There was a rebellion. He obviously had some other angels join with him in this rebellion. Oh, we can't even comprehend how that, who can comprehend the, comprehend the spirit realm? We know all we need to know. Satan had rejected God's presence and he rejected God's light God's presence and God's power was going to save us from hail, save us from the absence of God, the coming darkness that had been initiated by Satan in the garden with Adam. Genesis' presence, when Adam is in the garden, Genesis' presence is man is born. But the gospel of John's presence, which I'm reading, is man now has a chance to be born again. God's presence and God's power arrived on planet Earth in the form of a baby boy. Like us in every way except one, and this is a big one, he's not from Adam. His father's not Adam. He has a different father. God didn't send his presence to to earth to judge us. We had already been judged. We had already been found guilty. All of us had already been found guilty. Why? Because we're all from Adam. And everyone from Adam is guilty. We're all guilty of sin. We all came from Adam. We're all guilty. God didn't need to send his presence to the earth to declare our guilt. He could have declared our guilt from heaven. John 3, 17. Let's go to verse 17. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment. Somebody say hallelujah. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, Jesus. But anyone who does not believe in him, Jesus, has already, already, he didn't, he didn't need to come and declare our judgment. We've already been judged. Anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God, God's one and only son. Do you see the power? Do you see the presence? It would take both to save the world. The power of God and the presence of God to save the world. Feel me. Do you see the good news? The good news is this. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Feel me. Do you see the bad news? A lot of people come to church and they only want good news. Do you know there's some really bad news too? The bad news is this, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. The power and the presence, what will they do? God sent the power and the presence in the form of a child who grew up to be a man. What will he do? What will they do? They will separate the light from the darkness. But this time it won't be creation. Listen to me. This time it won't be creation. It'll be the hearts of mankind. Not day and night. The light and the darkness. I'm not talking about the day and the night. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about the lost and the saved. The light and the darkness will separate the lost and the saved. There will be a dividing line between the lost and the saved. The lost will experience the absence of God. The saved will experience the presence of God. And the presence of God came to the earth in the body of Christ. If you receive God, you receive Christ, you receive the presence of God. If you reject Christ, you receive the absence of God's presence. God announced the verdict in advance. He announces the conclusion of man's story. The standard by which all mankind will be judged has been announced in advance. So nobody will ever say, I didn't know. That's why we preach the gospel. Verse 19, the judgment, some translations I think say verdict. The judgment is based on this fact, God's light came into the world. But people love darkness, huh? God's presence is the light, right? God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than they love the light. For their actions were evil and all who do evil, they hate the light and refuse to go near the light for fear that if I get close to the light, my sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that what they're doing, they're doing what God wants. You see, this is the verdict, that light has come into the world, not to judge us, not to condemn us, not to throw us into the absence of God, the outer darkness of hell. No, 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 no. He came so that we could approach the light, confess our sins in the presence of the light and be cleansed by the power of the light. But the natural man wants to stay away from the light and pretend that I don't, I'm not sick I don't have sin I'm not going to die there's no place of outer darkness I will have the presence either way only the presence and the power of God can save us the funny thing is the very thing that we need the most is the very thing we resist the most why? there is another power there is a liar an adversary he's real the only, only the presence and power of God can save us from the coming judgment, the coming darkness of sin and death. And what is the coming darkness? I want to make this clear today. It is the absence of God. If you lived your life and you didn't want to approach the light, the life, the presence while you were here, there will come a time when he will say, okay, you will never have to worry about that again. You will never have access to the presence. You will have access to the absence. It's called outer darkness. It's a fact. John chapter 3 says it's a fact. It's the verdict. It's the conclusion of all conclusions. It's the truth. What? What's the conclusion? God's light came into the world. God's presence came into the world. It became within your reach, within your grasp. It's called faith. God's light came into the world. But people love the darkness more than the light. Why? Because we're sinful. God's light is God's presence and God's son, God's truth came into our dark world. And what happened? I want to say it this way. God's light is his presence. It's not that God gives light. He is light. And when he shows up, when his presence comes, light comes. Well, light through the sun came to the earth. And what did we do? We hide in the dark. Right, We want to hide in the dark. We're for fear that if I get in the light, my sin will be exposed. That's why he came. To expose our sin. To cleanse us from the darkness. But you can't get cleansed from the darkness if you stay in the dark. You come into the light. To come into the light is to come into the presence of God. And in that light, he will save you. God's light is God's presence. He came into our dark world and what happened? They crucified him. Do you see? Why? Because people love the darkness more than the light for their actions are evil. To come into the light is to come into the presence of God. And in that light, he will save you. He will save me. Feel me. The light of truth will set you free from the life of sin and death, darkness, and the absence of God. To refuse to come into the light is to reject the presence of God, leaving you in the darkness forever. Yes, the darkness is coming. I declare to you today a coming darkness. And if you reject the presence of God, which is the light of God through the Son of God, You reject his presence, leaving you forever in his absence. You did it. You did it. God's presence, his son didn't come to judge you. You and I had already been judged. Guilty. Guilty. He came to save us. There was no way I could approach the presence of God until Jesus came. And he made a way. That's why he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why? Because the presence was too far. I was too dirty, too dark. So I couldn't reach heaven, so heaven came here. So I'm going to ask everybody a question. Here it comes. Are you afraid of the light? This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness more than light. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are you afraid of the light? What is it that makes us want to step away from the light? What is it? Well, my sin, myself. I can see myself. Remember the story when Peter's in the boat and Jesus comes in the boat and does the miracle? What's Peter do? He, does he have a celebration? I've never saw so many fish in my life. No. He says, get away from me, Lord. What? Because his darkness had been confronted by the light and he's like this. But what did Jesus do? Push him out of the boat? He said, I came to redeem you. I came to save you, Peter. So approach the light. So I'm going to ask you again, are you afraid of the light? Or are you afraid of the darkness? See, when, you, when you're afraid to approach the, the, the light, I want, to, I want you to understand what you're doing. If you're afraid to approach the light, you are by default remaining in the darkness. You only get two choices. So let's flip the question over. Are you afraid of God? Are you afraid of God's presence? Or would you dare today pray, Lord, fill me with your presence? I want to make a confession today. I am afraid of God's absence. With everything in me, I have this overriding fear. I fear the concept of God's absence. So because I fear the concept of God's absence, I believe truth is what did that to me. Truth set me free, gave me eyes to see that coming into the light wasn't to get judged by God. Remaining in the dark is the judgment of God. So I come into the light. I fear the absence, not the presence. I fear the dark, not the light. In the book of Nahum, that book I'm sure you all read a lot, it says in chapter 1, verse 5: In his presence, are you afraid of his presence? In his presence, the mountains quake, the hills melt away, and the earth trembles, and its peoples are destroyed. Who can stand before his fierce anger? Who can survive his burning fury? His rage blazes forth like fire and the mountains crumble in, the, in his presence. There's a great darkness coming, church. A great day of judgment coming for those who have rejected the presence of God in their lives. They love sin more than they love the source of life itself. God has revealed the details of that final day that many refer to as the great white throne judgment. This future day of judgment is not for the saved. So when I get ready to read this, I want you to understand, this has no application to those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. This has no application for those who have experienced His presence through Jesus Christ. This future day does not apply, does not It is not for the saved in Christ, but for those who have refused to step out of the darkness, into the light, into the presence. So they have by default chose God's absence and rejected God's presence. Here's what's coming. And you need to understand this is coming. Mock it, deny it, won't change it. It's coming. Revelation 20 verse 11, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. And I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death in the grave gave up their dead. And they're all judged. Now, you remember John chapter 3? Jesus did not come to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why this has no application for the redeemed, for they are not coming for judgment on this day. No. But these people have rejected the presence. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the absence of God's presence. They were thrown into the absence of God's presence, the lake of fire. There will be no place to hide on that day. Earth and sky fled from his presence the walking dead and the dead dead were all will all stand before God's dreadful judgment on that day to stand in God's presence to receive the judgment of God's absence to stand in God's presence one last time to receive the judgment of God's absence you didn't want me in this life you won't have me in the future You get my absence. You reject my presence, you get my absence. Where you're going, I won't be. Ever. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God. This is a a comparison of God's judgment, Old Testament, and God's judgment, New Testament. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God. And have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy. And have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge. God's the one that said that. I will pay them back. God's the one that said that. He also said, the Lord will judge. His own people. You know, the New Testament says that when judgment comes, it'll begin in the church. So you say, well, there's no judgment in the church. It's in the church that plays church. I'll show you that in a moment. The Lord will judge his own people. And here's the conclusion of the matter. Verse 31. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But what about the redeemed? I'm glad I don't have to stop there. What about the redeemed of the Lord? What about those who are filled with the power and the presence and the purpose and the passion and the providence and the peace and the purity and the provision and the protection? They're filled with him. What about those people? What about those who have stepped into the light and the truth of Christ? They have repented of their sins and been forgiven by the blood of the lamb. And they've been born again. What about them? Actually, this is my favorite, favorite part today. It's the next P. It's called purpose. Feel me. When the power and presence comes into your life, listen church, when the power and the presence comes into your life, he always comes with purpose. Now, I'm going to stop for a moment and say something. I should have said this last week and I didn't. One of my fears with preaching a series like this is this. I was afraid that somebody would take these 10 things as a method. And I am as against methods as anybody you will ever meet in your lifetime. I don't like methods. Methods are this idea that you can check some boxes and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's just foolishness. This is not... A message about 10 methods. This is about Christ in me. It's not a method. It's about Christ, the presence of God moving inside this house, this temple. Christ in me. Fill me. So when I say, Lord, would you please fill me with your power and presence and purpose and passion and providence and peace and purity and provision and protection. What I'm really saying is this, fill me with you. I desire to have a a relationship with you and that you would become the purpose and meaning of my life. That's not a method. So let me tell you where I'm going with this next P called purpose. I'll give you an example. The Jews became angry with Jesus for healing a man on the Sabbath day, which is Saturday. And I want you to notice Jesus' response. It will help set up this P called purpose. John 5, 16, so the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus. Why? Why would, just the fact that they're harassing the son of God is just kind of over my head. So they're harassing Jesus because he was breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus looks at these guys and says, my father's always working and so am I. I bet you that really settled the argument, huh? <laughs> my, father's al- my father's always working, so am I. Jesus told them his fathers didn't take Saturday off and neither do I. What Jesus is saying is, I came to the earth with a purpose, and that purpose is the presence of God in me. That presence brought a purpose, brought a purpose, and and you telling me I can't do the purpose on Saturday is not fitting well. So I'm going to ask everybody a question today. If the power and the presence of God, the Holy Spirit of Christ, has moved inside your temple, inside your body, here comes the question. Everybody, what is your purpose? Could you answer it? Feel me. Let me put it another way. Does anybody in this room think it's possible, spiritually speaking, it's possible, that the power and the presence of God comes inside of you. You're born again. Born again. The Spirit of the living God has moved into your house. He's living right behind your chest bone here somewhere. He's living in here. Moved in. And you're the same as you used to be? You think that's possible? That that great light has pierced your darkness and you are living the same life that you live before the encounter? And yet I find people in churches all day long that they wouldn't say it, but that's it. Do you think it's possible for your purpose, the pursuit and the meaning of your life to be solely about you? It's a question. Do you think the purpose, this purpose of the presence has now created a purpose? My father's always working, so am I. That's what he told those guys. I'm working. I got a purpose. I came to do something. I came to redeem the world. Do you think it's possible that your life's purpose is you? Yourself? Do you know why I asked this question? Actually, there's two reasons. Here comes the first one. Matthew 6, 23. And I got to tell you, before I read it, I have have quite a few fears for the modern American church. Here's one of them. Sorry. I just have to tell you the truth. Here it is. Jesus says, when your eye is bad, the whole body is filled with darkness. Now, I want to explain something. I believe the eyes and the ears are the portals to the soul. It's, it's the, it's the, the, the gateway, the portal through which the word of God comes and the word of God comes. It comes through my eyes. It comes through my ears. It, it, it comes into me. And he says, and if your eye is bad, your whole body's filled with darkness. Okay. And if the light you think you have church, if the light that you think you have, remember the light is his presence, right? So if the light, if the presence that you think you have is actually darkness, Oh, how deep is that darkness? You know why it's a deep darkness? Because you think you found the light and actually you just found darkness that's deceiving you thinking it's light. This is one of my great fears for the American church. You know why? Because much of the American church lives without any purpose that has anything to do with the presence of God. Can you see the light of truth today? I'm asking each one of you. Are you sure it's the light? Can you see the light of truth? Are you sure it's the light? So let's ask the question again. Here's the test. It's not my test. It's the test of Scripture. So what is the purpose and meaning of your life? You? Is the purpose and meaning of your life you? That's the darkness. What are you pursuing? What are you worshiping? What is your heart's treasure? What is your purpose? Jesus says, do not store up treasures on earth. Don't do it. Why? Because it's going to rot. Store up treasures in heaven. So here comes the second fear I have. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to read Matthew 7, 21 with this question. Who are these people? Who, who are these, these people that he refers to at a future judgment day? Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven. This is not some salvation by works message. This is the purpose that comes with the presence. Are you hearing me? When the presence comes, he comes in a purpose that every part of the body has a function. There's something that I'm called to do that you're called to do. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. That ought to get you. You know what? That means that there's people who are saying, Lord, Lord, who are going to experience the outer darkness, the absence of the presence. So what's the dividing line? Only those who actually do the will of my father will enter That's the purpose that the presence has produced a purpose. It's not you anymore. The old person died. That's when you got born again. You denied yourself, took up a cross, followed him, right? On judgment day, many are going to say, here it comes again. Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name, but I will reply. I never knew you. Get away from me. That's the absence of the presence. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. You stayed in the darkness. I invited you into the presence. You stayed in the absence. Why did you stay in the absence? So who are these people who say, Lord, Lord? I can tell you these people were not filled with the power and the presence and the purpose of God. You know how I know that? because pagans don't say, Lord, Lord. You know who they are? Church people. Church people. They are the ones that couldn't tell the difference between the light and the darkness, between the truth and the lie. And Jesus says, and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? I'm really, listen, when I get to something like this, I can tell you, some of you are looking at me with that funny looking eye thing that you do. (laughs) It is not my intention today to make you uncomfortable, but I'm telling you what, today we will deal with truth. We're going to deal with truth. And here's the truth. What is the purpose of your life? Would you dare today pray, Lord, fill me with your power and your presence and your purpose which is the very person of Jesus Christ. Because I'm going to tell you, when you get the power of Christ and the presence of Christ, you get the purpose of Christ. They are the same. And you know what his purpose is? To redeem the lost world. You can answer that question by looking back over the past year of your life. So let me help you answer the question. What is the purpose and meaning of your life? Be honest. Come on, let's be honest. You can answer that question by looking back over this past year of your life. What was your focus? What was your pursuit? What was your treasure? What was your purpose? Who did you put your trust in? Who did you put your faith in this past year? And let me throw a sideline question in there. How long are you planning on living here? I mean, really, how long are you planning on living here? If you look at your life's efforts, how long are you planning on staying here? Because when I look at a lot of people, it looks like they plan on living here for millions of years. Because you just keep storing, accumulating, storing, accumulating, storing, accumulating, storing, accumulating. How long do you plan on staying here? Can you not see that life is short and that we're going to run out of time? What are you going to do with that? This is why I pray this prayer every day. Fill me with the power and your presence and your purpose Feel me. Why? Listen carefully. I'm going to take the same standard I hold you to. I do not feel that I'm beyond being deceived or beyond being tempted. I'm not insecure about God's power to save. But I know Satan hates me. I know he hates the elders of this church. And he hates everyone in this church who's a true believer. And you know what? I have found that he tries lots of ways to distract me from the purpose that God specifically called me to do. I have shared it a thousand times here in the last 21 years. God called me to be a watchman, to tell people the deliverer is coming and make the church ready for the wedding because the church thinks they are and they are not. And now there's a million things that pull me in a million directions, and I could miss and get off track of the purpose and the calling of God's life in my life. And I have to keep coming back and resetting. And, Lord, please fill me with your purpose. And it always comes back to this, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. The administrative responsibilities of a church this size are distracting. I'll admit it. I need to keep resetting, coming back, preach the word. Look at how the apostle Paul put it. He warns us about this danger of Satan. 1 Corinthians 9.24, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for what? An eternal prize. So I run with what? Purpose. Church, are you running with purpose? I'm asking. I'll hold myself to the same standard. Are you running With purpose. That the power and the presence of Christ to redeem the world has created a purpose, and we're part of the body of Christ. We're the light of the world, right? We're not supposed to be a light in a cave, we're a light in the world. We're supposed to shine the light into the darkness, are you? So I run with purpose in every step. And I'm not just shadow boxing, which is pretending. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear. Here's the Apostle Paul. I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. That passage from the Apostle Paul shakes me to my soul. And I ask myself has the churchy, churchy, churchiness made me a pretender? Am I shadow boxing? Lord, fill me with your power and your presence and your purpose. Run to win. Run with a purpose in every step. Fill me. Why? Because I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I'm watching. Why do I say that? Why why do you got to put that in there? Because I'm watching with my eyes, church after church, preacher after preacher, fall away from the truth of God. I'm watching it. Can you see it? I could give you five names right now, recently, in the last two or three months, that have abandoned their faith, abandoned the truth of God, abandoned the Bible, going along with the world, stepping out of the light and getting back in that darkness where everybody makes you their friend. Let me give you an example. Who would have ever thought that the Methodist church in America would have to set up two different denominations One for the LBGT believers and one for the Bible believers. And we are there. And I hear the Apostle Paul, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Let's face it, the church in America has become worldly. And many no longer have the power and the presence And the purpose of God among them. And without the presence, which is the person of Christ, there is only darkness and dread. So, what do we do? Individually and as a body of Christ, here it is preach the word, live the word, believe the word. This is my purpose, this is your purpose. The Word of God is power, presence, and purpose of God, the person of Christ. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. If there's anything in your life that's keeping you from your purpose in Christ, get rid of it. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor at God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. And after all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Church, run with endurance, run with faith, carrying out and living out the purpose of God in your life. Feel me. Get rid of anything and everything in your life that's keeping you from fulfilling God's purpose in your life. I want you right now to think about something that's keeping you, that's restricting you from actually applying your life to the purpose of God. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Run to win, not place, not show, not pretending, not shadow boxing. Run with endurance and know that there's a dark power that will keep many from finishing this race in the power, presence, and purpose of Christ. How? By keeping them in the absence of God's presence. How does Satan do it? He wants to keep you in the absence of the presence, keeps you distracted, keeps you standing in the dark when you could be in light. There you go. That's two of the five sessions that I have planned on the 10 Ps, and I close today with two questions. Here they are. Do you have the presence of God in your life in your heart right now, are you sure? I will not have to answer for you and you will not answer for me. But each of us will answer. Do you right now have the presence of God in your life, in your heart right now? The presence of God is the Spirit of Christ. Yes or no? Are you sure? And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? Are you sure? If you don't have His presence with you right now, Listen, if you don't have your pre- His presence with you right now, you won't have His presence with you in eternity. You must experience and receive His presence before you meet Him. Did you hear me? You must experience and receive his presence before you meet him on the last day. Before that trumpet or before that grave, you must experience and receive his presence before him. You cannot serve two masters even if one of them's you. You can't do it. And here's the last question What is the purpose of your life? Be honest. What have you been focusing on pursuing this past year? And how long do you plan on living here? Are you running to win, place, or show? This is a race between life and death, heaven and hell. Do you know that your purpose is directly connected to his presence? And would you today, I'll ask Chad to come on out. Would you today dare, dare to pray to God, Lord, would you please fill me with your power and your presence, your purpose, your passion, your providence, your peace, your purity, your provision, your protection. Would you fill me with you understanding this that when you do that you deny yourself you take up a cross you're going to say to him Lord I'll quit my job if you want me to quit my job I'll move I'll sell the house I'll get rid of this stuff I'll go anywhere you want me to go I'll do anything you want me to do would you? would you? There's one who's worthy. One. And I believe that time's short, folks. I don't know how much time we got. I don't know. I just feel like time's getting really short. So I pray today that you have experienced his presence so that you will never know what it is like to experience his absence. The invitation's open the Holy Spirit's leading you today. Respond. Let's do it.